Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Creanitators. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined today by writer Dan Waters to talk about a number of really cool comics he has going on, including Homesick Pilots, a picture of everything else. We'll talk a little bit about Future State, Superman, Wonder Woman, and of course, many of the other things Dan has worked on, such as Lucifer, Coffin Bound, and Limbo. Dan, thanks so much for joining. Uh, I did want to start talking about Homesick Pilots, a new image comic series that you're working on with artist Casper Wingard. Uh, you got letters by Arita Bidikar. Uh, it's three issues out currently from Image Comics. And what is the inspiration for Homesick Pilots? Um, where did this story kind of come from and what's your connection to it? Oh, man, that's uh, quite a big question. Um, <laughs> so Casper and I had made Limbo. That was our first sort of book that we did, our first sort of creator own project and uh, we'd, we'd taken that uh, image uh, and they'd liked it and they'd picked us up despite us being, you know, um, uh, us having no real credits under our belts. Um, so we made that book with sort of no idea of how a comic book was supposed to be made and we just went ahead and did it um, and it went quite well for us and we sort of went off in different directions and Homesick Pilots was really a result of us finding... Uh, finally sort of finding time and space to come back and, and do another book. Um, and we talked about doing a, a limbo sequel-ish kind of thing. Mm. Um, and then we sort of came up with the idea of Homesick Pilots and it wasn't anything like that. So we just took it off in its own direction. Um, and yeah, like when I when I work with, I mean, the thing I always like to do with image projects is, is, is work with artists who have a very unique um, sensibility and one that, uh ones that i sort of work with in very different ways like i work with danny in a very different way uh danny who, who draws coffin bound in a very different way to right. how i work with casper we just have different interests that collide and that's always the fun the fun part about collaboration um so homesick pilots is a, is a really weird sort of mix of casper and my inspirations and things like we're leaning on a lot of it's a it's a horror book but um with a lot of sort of um manga influence and and drawing from from that side of things um and yeah we we just really got into the idea of a, a haunted house that gets up and and walks away um as this yeah. basically like haunted house mech kind of thing and that just really led me to these uh really interesting metaphors in how i think um a few recent and quite popular uh haunted house stories have kind of uh tripped over their own metaphors um mm. in the a haunted house um and ghosts in general are generally sort of trauma metaphors um they're sort of you know things we can't reconcile with and therefore they, they end up sort of hanging around the whole ghosts have unfinished business all of that sort of stuff it's all yeah uh, it's all trauma related um and i i think just when we fall into wanting to wrap up stories nicely, it's a storyteller like pitfall in that you want to sort of wrap up a story nicely and get get a get you know a nice response from people and all that kind of stuff. And so you go, oh, okay, well we need to like overcome the problem. And yeah, it was I just saw too many things where people were sort of like dispelling ghosts <laughs> by coming to terms yeah. with the thing behind them. And I just like I don't think that's how these things work. I think you have to learn to live with them and and accept that they they're a part of you um so the idea that that we have to like get up and walk off with it, um yeah sort of led to this idea of that the whole haunted house sure. getting up and walking away 
So that was kind of you, where you we take started it with from. you, right? Yeah, uh, which which yeah. is which is why we sort of started with that scene, even though it comes quite late in the story. We sort of flashed right forward to it at the, at the beginning of Homesick Pilots because it's really just the the central, like it was our starting point, and everything else sort of exploded out from there. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah, the the issue one, without spoiling anything, like it opens with that haunted house getting up, right? We see sort of, okay, this is where we're going, but then we flash back to the homesick pilots and kind of how we got to that point, which I think is a pretty effective hook. Um, that's interesting talking about like the your origins too as a as a creator with Casper Wingard. Uh, I really enjoyed Limbo. I actually read that recently. Oh, thank um, you very much. I, I came to it. And yeah, it's a super fun like noir book. Do you actually before we dig further into Homesick Pilots, so you mentioned, you know, initially you were thinking about, okay, maybe we go back to that world. Is that something you and Casper still talk about potentially? Or do you feel more now that you've moved away and kind of come up with other, you know, things like Homesick Pilots, are you like, actually maybe maybe Limbo's good? Um I don't know. It's a difficult question because just you never quite know until 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 it happens i think um limbo mm. we always planned we always left it quite open and we always sort of planned um that there could be more in that um we wanted to treat it like a detective novel or like which could be a series of detective novels so it's sure. you know the book we did is like a case and there's definitely like other cases and there's a there's a broader arc sort of behind that stuff but yeah, I mean, I mean, the the there was definitely an interesting thing in coming back to. I mean, we did we started Limbo in two thousand and fifteen, um, so coming back sort of five years later, having uh, Casper did a lot, has done a lot of stuff at Marvel. I've I've done a fair bit of stuff at DC, and and we've just sort of been pulled in these different directions, uh, and you just learn all these new skill sets and just develop your sort of craft and then coming back and uh, seeing where we both were and how that was different to when we did Limbo and how that was the same yeah. um, was really interesting with Homesick Pilots. So right now my, my focus is, is mainly there, but yeah, I think it would also be interesting to see if we went back to Limbo now, like how different would it be to the first book and how different might it be to what we originally thought the second book might look like. Right. Right. What do you, what do you think has, in your observation, like what has changed the most in terms of your skill sets or how the two of you work together? Because like you said, you have five plus years of, of professional experience. I mean, Casper, I, I first came to his work on incredible work on uh, Peter Cannon that he did with, with Marion Gillen, which is a series I really mm -hmm. dug. And I've done a ton of, you know, you've written full, full runs of Lucifer. Like what, how do you guys work differently together? Cause it's, I mean, it is just a lot of comics between the two of you that have come out since that time. Um, I'm definitely like a, a far more confident writer, I would say. Uh, we, we did Limbo. Yeah. Casper really, like, Casper, I mean, he was already, I mean, you've, you've, you've read it, he, he was already a, an astounding artist. Um, mm -hmm. I was an entirely unproven writer. And it's a lot harder to tell if someone can write than if someone can draw, just because mm -hmm. you can look at a page of, uh, of art and go, that's good. Um, you can look at a page of writing and go, okay, well, they, they've done this once. Can they do this consistently over, you know? yeah uh you know five issues or 24 issues or however long um or even just you know you have to sit down and take the time to like read something but casper had watched me uh write an entire sort of like mini series uh which i had never planned to get made i it, it it's dreadful um I'll, I'll put that out there right away uh that that i wrote the entire scripts just for for this sort of six issue thing um 
just because I'd never done it before and I wanted to know what that felt like before I put that the weight of that onto a onto an artist or onto any sort sure. of collaborator. Um, and I think having seen me do that and knowing that that we had similar interests and and sort of ideas that were close together that we both wanted to work on, he he sort of took a took a chance on me. So I'm definitely so so that dynamic compared to compared to now where I've you know I've written 24 issues of Lucifer and a load of other things. Um, I'm definitely more uh, more confident and more sort of like Casper knows now he can trust me rather than just like hoping he can trust me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, sure. Like beyond that, it, um, a lot of the, the sort of joy of it has been seeing what hasn't changed, which is like I sort of said, we sort of came into to limbo not knowing how you were supposed to make a comic book. Uh, and so we did things in like a very sort of loose way where we spent a lot of time on the phone and, and sort of planned stuff out that way before anything like went in the script and yeah. um, just sort of like messed around with stuff a lot. And that's, and that's obviously not something you then go on and do with, with every other book, but actually coming back to Homesick Pilots, we've massively kept doing that, mm. um, which has been really cool. Uh, it's been really fun because it just feels like that thing again of like, we've just taken all the, all the sort of rules and guidelines away. And we're just, creating something interesting yeah no that makes a lot of sense there, there's with homesick pilots there's a a lightness and kind of an ease to the work that is that is not necessarily present in like kind of denser darker worlds that you've built you know yeah. pages of Lucifer or in coffin bound how, how different is it for you to create in that space like how do you balance those those mindsets not to not to say like oh there's nothing to it but there, it's definitely lighter it's got more of a you know it's obviously it's like it's there's a music focus we're entering the era of pop punk becoming a huge thing it's got a pop punk aesthetic yeah, and definitely. i say that as someone who loves that genre um is that a conscious choice on your end and yeah. like and, and how different is that for you yeah, yeah i okay. mean yeah uh, that's a very conscious choice i mean if you look at something like coffin bound like i know you know i wonder no illusions that coffin bound is like very uh, very heightened um in its sort of like dialogue and, and things and even something like the picture of everything else um is uh, on a on a sort of scale of that i think there's a sort of scale of that i got kind of go up and down where where you could put lucifer on somewhere on that and coffin bounds kind of sure, one extreme right. Lucifer's kind of, uh, coffin bounds kind of one extreme and homesick pilots is the other um yeah. but yeah i don't know it's just it's just what feels right for the book i guess um what feels right for each project like yeah it wouldn't make any sense to have um homesick pilots um read like one of those home i mean homesick files as well is the is the most it's weird because i um I'm obviously i'm very very london based and i've always been london based um but homesick pilots which is set in california is has the most autobiography i think of anything like direct autobiography of anything i've ever written just in that i've sort of yeah. dotted dotted things i've i've gone through or experienced or like sort of kinds of people i know quite well yeah um particularly with the punk scene um and it's been interesting because like the thing like the thing that, that's definitely been sort of a few people have, like people sort of message me like yeah you keep slipping into like a these these britishisms um oh yeah and i kind of i know <laughs> i know that i do that with homesick pilots but i i wanting to sort of draw on uh on those kind of experiences and things like going, going to that kind of well kind of compels me to, to to write these characters speaking in a certain way and maybe it does sort of uh uh sort of throw people for a loop a bit when when it is ostensibly sort of set in california but 
Yeah. No, it's yeah. funny that, that people are calling you on that because it's so you have so it, our, our core group here is this group of teenagers, right? They're, they're in a band called the Homesick Pilots. And we kind of have like a rival bands thing going on, right? With the Nuclear mm-hmm. Bastards and them just but then also there I remember there's a scene, maybe it's an issue three, maybe the most recent where there's like there's kind of this uh, these like street punks, I guess, but they're very like Sex Pistols. They're very mm-hmm. like, you know, like kind of like and that has a very UK flair. But at the same time, in my head, I was like, oh, well, you would have americans who also now have adopted the the british you know punk sensibilities um although in 94 california like they're clearly like their time has passed yeah i, I mean, I, mean I, would, right? I would i would just say look at them um, but but i mean you say that but then i'd say look at rancid sure sure um, right yeah no know, tim armstrong has spent what like 30 years now trying to sing like joyce drama <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh yeah no there's huge influence there what what's your so you mentioned this being kind of autobiography biographical like what's your history being in bands did you kind of come up in that early 90s like punk grunge scene yourself um or was it like you know as a spectator kind of thing i i mean i'm i'm a bit younger than that so it was a bit um a bit later on for me it was like the early early 2000s um, sure, yeah but yeah like very much in the punk to be honest like the street punk stuff is very like <laughs> that's closer to, to who i was <laughs> um, Interesting. yeah I, I had the sort of i had a sort of foot tool mohawk and studded leather jacket and all the rest of it um mm-hmm. so yeah like I, I i really sort of come from that that sort of scene and and even the sort of house and stuff is is definitely um like i have a, I have a um a friend like a really good friend who, who i've known for forever and when i met him he was squatting in in london and the first time he saw homesick pilots he looked at the house and he was like oh is that is that based on my old house um mm-hmm. I was like, yeah kind of <laughs> <laughs> nice nice and that's such a that's such like a, a teen punk idea to be like hey there's a haunted house we have to have a gig there like yeah. that's so perfect yeah i mean i mean that, that was that was that. definitely a whole thing of like i i went to gigs and we went used to go to gigs in the sort of strangest places there was mm-hmm. um i remember one in a in an abandoned uh car factory uh which was which was really cool it still had all the sort of like um uh, what you call like the lifts and everything um yeah yeah uh that was all sort of intact and things um except like half the copper had been like ripped out of the walls <laughs> <laughs> i love that yeah that's super fun still uh what's your what's your like playlist for this like what kind of like who do the nuclear bastards sound like and like do you have like a template for like the like the audio representation of these different uh these different groups oh man like uh, yeah i mean we made a we we have made a playlist there is a playlist on spotify um I got to check that out. I meant to before I started this. And then I just started, I, I just Googled early nineties best punk to check out some stuff I had listened before. <laughs> so I've been on a Reverend Horton heat kick. <laughs> heading into yeah. This, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I always imagine the sort of homesick pilots being very, uh, very sort of, I imagine they play a lot of Ramones covers um, just because okay, they, sure. they're easy to do as well. So sort of, they'll do like knowledge by operation Ivy and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The nuclear bastards is kind of a funny one because they they started out quite like like the idea is that they 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 they're the ones who want to they want to sell out, so they're more of a sort of uh, somewhere between the sort of like grunge and and thrash space, which I think is very sort of like the sort of stuff that Metallica were doing in the in the early nineties, mm-hmm. um, sure. which, which is pretty garbage, but you know, um, so still sold a lot of albums, and that's what the Nuclear Bastards want to do. Right, right, they're the popular ones, yeah. Interesting. When I think about comics significantly centered around 
music, you know, there's certain examples that jump to mind, like phonogram definitely yeah. is one that I think uh, a lot of people think of. There's recent work too, though, like, like blue and green mm-hmm. is a great example. Um, Dave Chisholm's uh, chasing the bird. I don't know if you've, if you checked that out. I thought it was incredible. Um, do you consider sort of the work in the space? Like, is that something where the, like those influencers are in your head or do you try to block out like the way other comics have handled, you know, kind of like music representation? Like, is that something where you like, research that or is it more just like oh if i've read it it's an influence if not you know i'm not going to go checking it out i mean um I'm, i mean i'm i'm very close with ron v so like while he was making blue and yeah. green we were making this uh so we yeah. would we were doing very but we're, they're very different things and they're very different types of music um oh yeah oh yeah yeah i don't know like like i don't know like we're in a spe- we're definitely in, the, in a space there but I don't think that the stories are even close enough that the music element uh, crosses over in any sort of significant way with any with any of those books, really. Sure. No, no, it's definitely got its own flavor and its own feel to it. Um, all right, cool. So it, in terms of like where Homesick Pilots might be going, um, what are your plans with Casper for like, where do you want to take this? Like, do you have a... I'm assuming, obviously, like you're going to get through, you know, this one arc and, and a mm-hmm. trade. Do you have like a kind of a longer roadmap? Is yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're 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 working on volume two at the moment. Um, cool. That'll be that'll be solicited shortly. We're going straight into. I mean, I think we've got like a month gap just as the trade comes out, and then um, mm-hmm. so it's like five issues the trade, and then the second the second arc is starting right after that. So it was always planned to be. Um, more of an ongoing sort of rolling thing that could um, come out month to month and feel a little bit more like one of those books than a lot of the other stuff I've done with like Coffinbound, which was quite um, volume based. They were um, yeah quite sort of draining things to make and making one of those a year was quite enough. But yeah, like this is definitely sort of lighter and, and faster paced and, and sort of lets us just have fun with it. What do you with coffin bound? What what is the element for you that is so draining? Like certainly there's there's a lot more. I, I think just like I don't know exhaustive exploration of really really difficult themes like you know just like life and and death and obviously it's it's very poetic. I think in a lot of ways. So I'm sure the the writing portion. But I guess I'll let you answer. Like what is what about that book makes it so much more of a, a an effort? Uh, not that. Uh, well, let me let me let you answer the question <laughs> what does make that exhausting yeah yeah i think i mean i think you kind of hit the nail on the head there it's it's definitely thematically i mean it's, it coffin bound is all about self-destruction um and modes towards self-destruction but also trying to not treat it in a sort of judgmental or, or negative way like the whole second arc is is has a whole major um religion as the opening of the people storyline which we tried not to treat as like oh look look how bad religion is because it's it's like drugs we were like we tried not to yeah make to portray either of those things necessarily as as a, a intrinsic ne- uh, negative um mm-hmm. and just the sort of research and work that goes into that is is it takes you to some quite dark places and um you know, and it should. Uh, but yeah, it, doing one of those a year was definitely enough. And sort of uh, the beginning, well, not the beginning of this year, that was only a month ago, but a couple of months ago, we, we sort of sat down, Danny and I, and we were like, okay, are we going to 
stop book three now and in the middle of a raging pandemic it didn't feel like something we particularly wanted to go straight back into yeah um, sure so we're doing something else now um but yeah uh yeah that book that so book is is, is uh, it's a real like really uh cathartic and satisfying thing to make but it's it, it'd be really hard to do month to month Sure. Right. No, it's heavy. I, I mean, I think even reading it month to month, you know, definitely <laughs> like it's it's that constant balance. Like you have to be in the right mental space to read Coffin Bound. You know, I, I think too, like, you know, it's like for me as a reader, I'm like, yeah, I have to set aside distractions. I have to focus. I also have to be prepared to deal with some of these heavier themes emotionally. Whereas, you know, like we said, like Homesick Pilots, I can pick that up for my shop, come back. And it's just, it's like, it's a fun, quick hit. It's an adrenaline burst. Um, and, and they're different spaces, right? They're different needs. Yeah, right? definitely. I, I mean, it's cool. Definitely. Like I think part, part of, and I think a bit of homesick pilots is also personally a bit of a reaction to that. It was, you know, sort of working on, on homesick pilots and, and reading a lot of like Samuel Beckett and, and stuff and getting like really deep into that. And then switching over and reading like 20th century boys and going like, Oh my God, this is so much fun. This looks like so much fun to do. <laughs> I'm going to do, I'm going to yeah. do that too. Um, so, so yeah, we did. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, we had a question here from a comic book Herald writer, Fletcher, uh, who, who noted that a lot of your works are influenced by art and artists from other mediums, right? So you have like music and limbo homesick pilots. Um, he mentioned Blake and Goya and Lucifer painting, obviously in a picture of everything else. Uh, how do you, how do you kind of take in these influences and, and affect the themes that you're working with and the storytelling choices you make? Like, are you obviously like what we consume shapes a lot of our our own artistic abilities but you seem to make a very conscious leap then from like these influences are going to drive new narratives new stories um like what it, what is your process in terms of like how you how you take those influences and shape them into new story yeah it's not to be honest it's not something i keep i mean to keep going back to it's just something that keeps happening um yeah. i think um yeah, uh, and I and I also have a kind of fear of it because writing is the coolest uh, thing. Like art is the coolest thing in that in that you can make it about anything, and you can you can really like confront the world and hold a mirror up to the world and all that, blah blah blah. Uh, but it's all true. You can you can do that, and I always have this this worry and this fear that instead of that. Because then, as an artist, as a writer, you you have the opportunity to do that. You get very caught up in the neurosis of having that ability to do it. So you you yeah. start um, really digging into the the limits and the foundations and the and the sort of boundaries of your medium, and you get really obsessed with that. And I think, particularly in the last half of the last century that became so predominant in uh in literature and anything i mean you go look at anything from sort of like james joyce like onwards and and it's really kind of there in the forefront it's like oh you know you sort of push through into the sort of like metafiction and you know yeah everything up to sort of like you know so I'm putting sort of like james joyce and grant morrison's animal man in the same boat but um no, that, that's exactly my wheelhouse. So <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so it's this thing where, where, where fiction just ends up talking about fiction, uh, which which is a bit of a feedback loop. 
and and art just talks about art, which is a bit of a feedback back loop. And I don't think mm. I've I don't think I've quite escaped it uh, in mm. any in any significant way. But definitely trying to use that to talk about new experiences or, or trying to push that forward to to do something with it. I guess is is once I find myself in that space and I'm like, oh, I'm I'm in this space again. I'm going to try and um, see where I can I can push that. Um, so yeah, fine, I, I do end up writing about much... writers and artists and things a lot, but uh, it's not by any sort of major uh, decision that I've made. Sure, sure. No, it's just it's just where your mind takes you and your story takes you. I mean, it's funny because in the picture of everything else, like there's a there's a lot of that, right? Like it's <clears> a story about art and how it can transform and and kind of you know leaning on not leaning on but taking the inspiration of a portrait of dorian gray or the picture of dorian gray obviously and that sort of oscar wilde you know mythology and it, one thing that i've enjoyed i actually i enjoy that questioning and, and kind of pushing it like you said um and i actually enjoy seeing a theme return you know in a creator's work it, it definitely as a reader i think there's even though Lu the worlds of lucifer and in a picture of everything else are you know it's okay vault is not in the sandman universe right there's like there's these thematic parallels that i enjoy um and a lot of questioning the value of art uh, the value of criticism even comes up a lot in issue two um which you know definitely is something that that got me thinking a lot um this is something that clearly is on your mind what you know you're holding up a mirror and and there's these there are these very um poignant kind of thoughts you have but when you're creating your stories and you're creating your art what is it that you that you want to get across like it's going to vary by story but like what for you as a comics creator is kind of like what's the release like what's the catharsis for you like getting to what kind answers to what kind of questions i suppose um i don't know if it's even a case of of getting the getting the answers it's more about at least setting down the right questions, putting down the right questions on paper. Sure. I don't. I yeah, don't, just knowing what to ask. Yeah, I mean, I think ambiguity in art is is one of the most important things, and uh, to yeah, I don't know to put it sort of tactfully. I don't know that as a as a as a medium, we we always like lean into it quite hard. I mean, we're. I mean, okay, the medium isn't, but but where we are as a sort of industry is we rest on a kind of foundation of of essentially like young adult fiction uh yeah. which is what which is what superheroes is are or at least were um up until you know sort of maybe the 80s um fundamentally and um, they still are in, in, in a certain way but just in a little bit more of an ambiguous uh, ambiguous way um so so there, there can be this sort of um real real um push towards that kind of storytelling where it's where it's very sort of definitive answers and you sort of have you know point a runs up against point b and and the result is that point a was right or point b was right uh, and yeah. I've, I've always been far more interested in you know smashing point a against point b and coming up with point c uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense at all but it's just a yeah I, I think the idea of just just putting stuff down and finding finding the human moments in it is the is the big thing for me as well um if something connects with people and if if you feel like it's going to connect with people that's the most sort of rewarding rewarding part of it especially if it's in something that 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 has a little bit more 
I don't want to say abstract because I, I I think if you as a writer start describing your own stuff as sort of like abstract or surreal or anything like that, then then you're a lost cause <laughs> in certain respects because you sort of uh, I have never gone out of my way to make anything sort of like abstract or surreal like specifically. It just um, hmm. uh, you know, uh, but but when something like Coffinbound, which is which is quite heightened and quite removed from what the real world kind of looks like. Um, and then when certain issues are that, and you have sort of like mess people messaging you and sort of saying like, Oh, this, you know, this, this really hit for me. This, this was really uh, emotional and I really felt it. And that, that, that's really rewarding. Sure. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's interesting. No. And I, I do think that the ambiguity of it all, I, I think is a, a value that can be lost, especially on the kind of, yeah, that month to month comics grind, especially in obviously in superhero stuff. Um, but coffin bound is definitely a work where the ambiguity of it for me, like initially, like it's kind of a turnoff because it's like, oh, this comic is making me do work. And I don't, <laughs> I don't actually want to have to connect bridges. That's what I was saying earlier about like, I have to get in that space as a reader to be like, I don't know. It's like, it's a weird thing. I'm like, I actually have to like mentally prepare myself to, to focus in a way that if I'm just boom, 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 scrolling through superhero comics, I don't have to do. And I, there should be lots of that. There should be space for that. Um, but I, I have to admit, like, initially, I kind of bristled at it. I was like, oh, this comic's making <laughs> I mean, me work. I mean, it's a bristly book. Um, but, like, yeah. I, I, but I, I mean, also, when I say ambiguity, I don't just mean uh, ambiguity and, and difficulty shouldn't, shouldn't necessarily be the same thing. I know I know, Coffin Bounds and, like, a very uncompromising and uncompromised book. Uh, in that we we just purely made the thing we wanted to make and and, and didn't really uh, you know think m much further beyond that beyond like this is we're going to put something that's pure um, pumping heart and gristle uh, down on paper and and, and, yeah. and that, that is what it is um, and we'll see how people how people respond to that um, but ambiguity doesn't necessarily have to have to be difficult in any sort of way it's just the sort of thing of, of also just presenting people more like people are and the world more like the world is and which is which is kind of confusing and and we right. don't we don't yeah. end up with with all the answers all of the time and sort of thing I, rem I remember doing like an early sort of early sort of superhero thing where uh i saw someone get quite quite someone bristled quite hard that that i presented a character who was who was a villain but uh, they they were essentially the the hero of the story, and then they they turn around at the end and, and did something horrible, and it was it was sort of it was like um it was like how you know how can you uh make me feel for this this character who then is going to turn around and do something horrible, and it's like well, unfortunately like like bad people don't do bad things all the time <laughs> in the real yeah, world yeah. either, and they right. have like positive qualities and and all these kind of things, and people can I think people are fully capable of being fully nasty and fully kind at just entirely at just different times depending on what mood they're in um sure sure and i, I think i think we tend to like lose that and 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 tend to think of uh when when someone does something else you go oh like they they've they've just revealed who they really are and it's like well both of them are actually who they really are um mm -hmm. and i and i don't say that to justify any like crappy behavior either i say that to to say like we have to understand this because otherwise people will, will get away with it <laughs> because they will, if, right. they, if they present themselves as being, or, or not present, that's exactly what I'm not saying. Like if, if they actually are, uh, you know, uh, vehemently uh, pleasant in other ways, um, that doesn't mean you can't, can't also do some horrible stuff.
Right. Uh, but yeah, so right. that's no. that's a kind of ambiguity that, that yeah, um, I'm always quite interested to try and try and dig into with the uh, with stories. Sure, sure, absolutely. So speaking of kind of the superhero world, um, you know, you did recently do a, a two issue Future State mm. Superman and Wonder Woman book that I thought was a, a heck of a lot of fun. You oh, have uh, John Kent. Yeah, yeah, no, it was really fun with uh, Lila Del Duca, who's, who's mm. an artist I love. Um, you have, yeah, it's such a good looking book. And, and so you have John Kent Superman, you have the new uh, Yara Floor Wonder Woman in this Future State landscape. And you brought in, I think, I, I want to say fan favorite. Uh, I don't know why this character isn't used more. Solaris, the tyrant son. Uh, what was your what was your inspiration for doing? Like, I'm I'm assuming Graham Morrison because that's where the character comes from from DC One Million. Yeah. Um, what was kind of like your inspiration in doing this story? And I guess just in general, like how did how did this kind of come about? Like you getting to do a Future State Superman book and and what you wanted to do with it? Yeah, I mean, I was um, like the first thing was that I was like really thrilled when when they asked me to do it because I know. I have a, a, a sort of self-earned rep for, for, for mostly doing sort of like horror and, and big megalomaniacs and villains and all that kind of stuff. And so to be asked to do Superman, which is the polar opposite, uh, was, right. was really I feel like exciting. Lucifer will do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But like, I, I was sort of thinking about it recently and cause I've just done a, a second, um, Superman thing. Um, I've just written, uh, Superman, uh, blue and red story with, which is being drawn by Danny, um, hmm. uh, which is out next month. Uh, and that was really cool as well. So, so sort of writing Superman twice, different Superman, but Superman has a, as a core of a character. Uh, yeah. he's, he's kind of, there's kind of an opposite uh, between Lucifer and Superman, particularly for a writer, uh, in that they're very similar in that these are both characters that for the sake of the scale of their story might as well be omnipotent. Um, yeah, they are right. so powerful. They, 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 so coming up with threat and drama and things is, is quite similar, whether it's Lucifer or Superman, they're just at the opposite ends of the scale as to how they're going to react to those, to those, uh, to those threats and, and those, those dramatic sort of um, scenes. But yeah, so being asked to write something that was uh, a character that was intrinsically not uh, horror or megalomania or any of that stuff uh, was was really exciting, and and so I really just wanted to do a story because because it was it was future state, and I was like, okay, well, I expect there'll be quite a bit of sort of days of future past the um, storylines and there'll be cyberpunk yeah. and there'll be all this, all this kind of stuff going on in the other stories. So, and because I was asked to write one that was set a little bit further out than, um, most of the rest of the stories, um, I decided I really wanted to do the story of what the world could actually look like with, uh, if we, if we'd grown up with a Superman in it and a wonder woman in it, uh, mm -hmm. what does the world, look like if we add these actual heroes protecting us and actually standing there to be a sort of inspiration to us. So I wanted to do a story that was intrinsically sort of hopeful and uh, something that was just fun and, and kind of lighter than I thought yeah. a lot of, um, a lot of stuff was probably going to be. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where, what led me to sort of doing 
a story with I wanted to do a story where Superman punched the sun as well. So <laughs> sort of led me <laughs> to Solaris. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And and I think it I think one of the reasons it has stood out to a lot of readers um is it, it, they're fun characters to begin with and a fun concept, but it does have that that kind of perfect Superman fit of like just a sunnier, no pun intended, like mythological kind of feat. You know, it's like at that kind of like the God had to fight the sun kind of thing, or the gods had to fight the sun. And, and there's a literal race against the sun God, right? It's got a very Olympian kind of myth making to it that I, I think is often very appealing in Superman stories or Wonder Woman stories. Obviously there's a lot of ties there as well. Um, but I think about like, you know, an all-star Superman, you know, it's the different trials, right? Mm-hmm. Superman going, against Hercules and, and, you know, these sorts of things or Atlas or whatever, um, that this in two issues, it kind of captures that vibe, which I think is. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think that stuff's quite intrinsic to Superman and it can get a little bit, a little bit lost sometimes. So sure. yeah, sure. absolutely. Um, so it, wrapping it up here, uh, Lucifer ended um, somewhat recently, actually, with what would have been issues 20 to 24 mm-hmm. packaged together in a fourth volume. Um, I, I guess I have a two part question. Like, what was it now that it's done? I, I'm assuming. Um, what was it? Are you satisfied with kind of the Sandman universe Lucifer experience? And like, are you happy with the way you were able to bring that to a close? I mean, yeah, um, in the we got to tell the rest of the story. Um, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, we, I mean, we, the sort of last issue came out right before, uh, you know, in single issue form, um, which was, I think was issue 18. Um, and it came out right before everything locked down, uh, stateside and the printer stopped printing and everyone had to go work from home. And, uh, basically when the, when the stores were starting up again, uh, they were worried that they were going to get deluged by six months worth of comics in on one Wednesday, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so, so the decisions were sort of made to, to trim down the lines a bit. And because uh, Lucifer was already coming to a close, we knew we were ending with, with issue 24. Um, so because that was coming to a close, we, uh, the decision was made that, that we would go straight to the volume and, and sort of save that shelf space. Um, but you know the the other option and what did happen to a lot of our books was they just got cancelled. <laughs> so yeah, so we got to finish our story. We actually got to spend a little bit more time finishing our story because we could take the time to to finish the last few issues. Um, yeah, and yeah, because we already knew that's where our story ended. That's what had been planned for, and that's what had been. So it wasn't like I had to wrap it up in two issues or or anything like right. that. Yeah. Right. Perfect. Perfect. No, it's great. I think people should definitely check that out as well. It's a, it's a really interesting 24 issue run. What, what was it for you? You know, you're kind of following in the, in the wake of like Neil Gaiman, obviously of Mike Carey, these kind of like mm-hmm. legendary runs. Um, how intimidating was Lucifer and, and kind of what did you, what did you want to make sure that you did that wasn't already there? I mean, I think that's it. Like do what's not already there. Um, because, I love the 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 carry run. I sort of discovered Sandman and and Lucifer together, and they were the thing that brought me back into into reading comics as a teenager, which is I think is a, a quite a common story, with with Sandman at least. Um, sure, yeah. But yeah, so so I discovered Lucifer. They, it was at the library. They had volumes of Sandman. They had volumes of Lucifer. I didn't know the difference. I didn't know who um, Neil or Mike were. <laughs> 
Um, And so I I sort of like blew through these. I read a load of them out of order. I just enjoyed the stories. And and, um, so when they asked if I wanted to uh, carry that story on or or sort of lightly reboot it, however you want to look at it, um, I really just thought like, I guess my kind of response to the idea of there being pressure is like, all right, well, I'm just going to go a totally different way, which takes the pressure off in certain respects because it's, I'm trying to make something that's not easy to compare <laughs> to to the to the stuff that came before. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I just don't want to step on, I didn't really want to step on um, what had come before. I think it's so good. I think it wraps up so well. Um, it's such a, it's such a brilliant story that to retell it seemed pointless. Uh, to undo it seemed kind of pointless. I was like, all right, well, we're just going to go a different way. And this is a character who has so much, I don't know if you want to call it like canon or, or whatever, if you, if you just take everything that's been written about him as as being true. Uh, yeah. And that wasn't explored in any major way between either Sandman or, or, or Mike's uh, Lucifer run. So I just decided I was going to, make that my where i put down my um my flag i suppose hmm. cool no, that's awesome all right so this is great what what's up next for you what projects do you have that you're excited about um that's coming that you can talk about oh man i mean okay so the picture or anything else is uh issue three is coming out next month um homesick pilot's done going um Superman uh, Red and Blue is out next month. Uh, really excited. That's my, my new thing with Danny. Uh, Danny and I have another book which will be coming out later in the year, which I can't talk about yet. Um, right. non, Non-coffin bound. Non-coffin bound, yeah. 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 Um, and I think that's all I can talk about. Other projects at, at certain publishers that I can't talk about yet. Sure, sure. So it goes. Cool. Uh, all right. Final thing I want to ask you: what uh, What is a comic or a book that you would recommend to people that you have had the time to uh, read somewhat recently? Um, mm, currently I've I've just blown through three volumes of uh, Blood on the Tracks by uh, mm. Shuzo Oshimi, which is really really fascinating. Um, in that it is super dark. It's super dark manga. Uh, yeah. really you know sort of every possible trigger warning kind of on, on that one um but really really interesting in how decompressed it is like a volume a 200 page volume is like a 10 minute read <laughs> yeah. uh, if that yeah. it. it's just you know there's, there's these amazing sort of like close-ups and um just really really lingers on on moments in in ways that uh ways that really just sort of scar themselves into your mind um and just a really really interesting way of, of using the de- decompression uh, that i hadn't really seen before so I'm, I'm really enjoying that at the moment cool cool blood on the tracks all right dan this was uh this was a pleasure people should check out homesick pilots picture everything else and of course the upcoming works will include links here in the show notes so people can find all that fun stuff um is there anywhere else uh, where where do you want people to find you or anything else you want to plug quick um Find me on on Twitter at uh, Dan PG Waters, uh, same place on Instagram. Although I'm more on Twitter. Um, other than that, to plug um, the picture, or anything else is part of Vault's second line of of white noise 
Comics, which is uh, my my studio, my writer's studio. So um, I would say if you enjoy that, or frankly, if you enjoy any of my books, then um, check out the other the other books in that line. I've got uh, Giga by Alex Packnadel uh, and John Lay. Um, Brian is there Sullivan. an actual like white noise imprint at Vault right now? It's like not, I know, it, like you have works there, or what? I know Ryan O'Sullivan has a book yeah. there too. Um, how does what do you what do you call that? <laughs> I mean. Uh, I mean, I think they're calling them waves because we all did. Basically, we all did a book. At, uh, so there's four, there's four of us in the studio, right? It's 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 Ron V, Alex Packendale, Ryan O'Sullivan, and me. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and we sort of banded together early on uh, when when we sort of met each other as as writers because we realized we had similar sort of sensibilities and and ambitions and what we wanted to do in comics and what we wanted comics to look like. Um, sure. So. We sort of banded together and, and quickly realized that we'd all pitched stuff to vote and it all got picked up before you know we didn't pitch together we we had all pitched separately uh, so so we all released books at, at, at vault that year which i think was 2018 and then those did quite well um and they basically vault asked us if we wanted to do like another another line of of books another run of of books uh so okay, yeah so yeah, so I think they're calling it the, the, a wave of, of wide noise titles. So you got a you got Giga by Alex Pack and there you got a, a, um, a Dark Interlude by Ryan O'Sullivan, um, which is a really uh, razor sharp, like quite. I find that book scary in in how sort of smart and uh, vicious it is. And yeah, I, I love Fearscape. That universe is, yes, is exactly. so smart, it's, and fun, so yeah. good. Um, and then uh, Rams just re- just announced um, Radio Apocalypse. Which is with uh, an artist yes. who, who drew blue and green and is uh, literally a, a, a genius, if you ask me. Um, yeah. So yeah. those are all amazing books um, that are way well worth picking up. Cool, cool, yeah, highly recommended here as well. Um, it's it, yeah, it's it's almost embarrassing because when I make like best of lists on Comic Book Herald, like it just I'm just like, well, vault, vault, vault. You know, <laughs> like I'm going down the white noise team. I'm just like it's just like a checklist. I'm like, yeah, these are all great. Um, but no, it's a super high standard of quality. Um, that you guys are putting out. So thank I you. Really, I mean, that's that's really kind of the point. Is the the idea is that we uh, we hold each other to a certain standard. Yeah, very cool. All right, awesome, Dan. This was a pleasure. Um, look for your stuff, and uh, yeah, I'll I'll talk to you again. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thanks for having me on.